Hey there, everybody. Happy Monday. Happy Masterful Living. I'm so grateful, so thankful to join with you. So grateful to be able to share for the purpose of our healing, our expansion, our clarity, our freedom, our joy. (sighs) I think one of the greatest benefits I see year after year in Masterful Living is People loving themselves free so that they can experience far more joy. Yay. It's a tremendous blessing, not just to themselves, but of course to the whole world, to their family, to their workplace, to everybody in the world. So we're going to begin, as we always do, with a prayer and a blessing. I invite you to place your hand on your heart and take a breath of love and gratitude with me as we open ourselves to unlimited, unprecedented love. So grateful and so thankful to consciously attune to the infinite, to the perfect love of God that we already are. So grateful to consciously give over to the Holy Spirit any and all problems that we think we have, any and all belief and lack and limitation. We're surrendering them here and now. We are willing to let Spirit do the heavy lifting. We are willing to see with divine eyes. We are willing to remember and recognize our true nature and our true identity really is already perfect, already whole, already complete, already as holy as holy can be. We're willing to really lay on the altar any and all sense of dysfunction, any and all sense of feeling separate. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves the gift of recognizing our true nature and the true nature of our brothers and sisters. So for each one in Massful Living, we're willing to see each other as we truly are, to see the Christ in each other and in ourselves, letting all the judgments and the opinions fall away. We are grateful and thankful to dedicate our conversation, our time together to this great healing. In gratitude, consciously sharing our healing with all. We allow our healing to be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, indeed. So blessed are we. Oh, yes. (sighs) So I'm going to do a bit of housekeeping first. And uh, just go over a few things. Uh, I've got some questions written in, people raising their hands, which is wonderful. And by the way, just a reminder, if you do have any questions that you'd like to ask in class, please do raise your hand. If there's anything that you'd like me to uh, explain another way or uh, add uh, some illumination to, that would be my joy and pleasure 
raise your hand with a star two on your keypad if you're on the phone. Or, of course, you can type in uh, a question if you are looking at the online page with the question box. And I, I always feel it's so important and valuable to share and ask questions because a lot of times if one person has a question, they're not the only one. And I, I find all questions helpful. I really do. So... Uh, first thing I'm going to say is that I'm beginning a series. I like to do series on a topic. And I'm beginning a series today I'm calling Effective Spiritual Practice. And so we'll be talking about what an effective spiritual practice is and the benefits of it. So we'll begin that. And some of the housekeeping keeping is you've heard me talk about the sacred circles which are the small we could call them community calls the small groups uh, where we're going to do the video chat platform something new that we're doing in masterful living this year we've never done it before but the um, year two three and ascension pathway classes have all moved to the video platform we really like it and so we're launching these small groups to do the community call in a small group of uh, no more than 10 people uh, with two co-facilitators. So we're hoping to start them this weekend. Now, I sent out a survey last week, and I did um, uh, post it in your Facebook group where I asked you to please let me know your first, second, and third choices of the times that we have groups scheduled. So the the times that we have scheduled are the times that the co-facilitators are available. So we don't have every day, every time available because we don't have that many facilitators and we don't need that many groups. So um, we're going with what the facilitators can offer and uh, – so if you can give your first, second, and third choices. Now, remember, too, that this is an optional program. Like everything else in Master Living, it's optional. You know how much you can handle. And uh, some people uh, are really – some people are retired, and so they have a, a lot of time and energy for this. And um, everybody's got different schedules, and, and people's schedules uh, ebb and flow, as we well know. And we have more responsibilities and less responsibilities, different times of year, we're traveling, etc. So uh, the idea is that you would make a commitment to show up in your sacred circle every other week to the best of your ability. Now, there's a question in the community call, are these calls recorded? They're not recorded. And here's why. The Sacred Circle calls using the video platform with a smaller group of people are going to be even more intimate, even more intimate than the community calls that we're currently having in the classes. So with that level of intimacy, uh, where this is also uh, a new thing for many people have not had this opportunity to have this small, intimate, spiritual group. We'd like everybody to feel really safe 
that they can share, that there's confidentiality, that what is said in the group stays in the group. Uh, you don't need to discuss it with your friends, your family, or even other people in Masterful Living, that the what is discussed in your small groups is confidential. You can have a safe, intimate conversation with no judgment. And that can be so deeply healing. And for many people, it may be the first time in your life you've ever really experienced that. Over the years, many people have told me many times that in Masterful Living, it was the first time ever in their life that they really felt safe to share anything and to share who they they really were and what they were really thinking and feeling. And that is a deeply healing space to be in. So in order to honor that healing space and make it the confidentiality that someone might enjoy uh, in a therapy group even, which it's not a therapy group, not a therapy group. It's just a group of people, like-minded souls, as part of a class, having a dialogue. And um and I will give you some topics and themes to talk about, but mostly it's about you sharing what you're learning, what your challenges are in a safe space, much like the community calls, except there is a, a tangible difference when you can see each other. So this is why they're not being recorded, so that people can feel safe and trust the intimacy of the group. Um, I've not heard of... Uh, any experience in Masterful Living, and I've been doing it since 2009, so this is the eighth year, I have not heard of people breaking confidentiality or sharing uh, uh, the recordings, the community calls with other people. Uh, I've not heard about people doing that or... uh, I've not heard of people feeling betrayed. So it's not an experience we've had. And so we we really are interested in continuing this deep, loving intimacy. And so the, the and the calls are one hour. Just like with the community calls, those are one hour long. We all have busy lives and busy schedules. One hour is plenty. It's every other week. And uh, so first, I just would like to see before I go on from there, uh, does anybody have any questions about that? Any questions about the sacred circles? So if you're on the phone or on the webcast or on Skype, you can raise your hand with a star two. All right, nobody's raising their hand. If you think of a question later, that's fine. Oh, Lorraine's raising her hand now. Hey, Lorraine. Hi. Um, no, I found the calendar in our, um, whatever, I mean, on the page, and it, it lists um, a lot of things going on, but it also talk, it says sacred circle, and I think it probably is the other sacred circle because ours haven't been determined yet. But I thought that one was called Our Sacred Circle, and ours is called just Sacred Circle. So I just wanted to clarify if it shows up on the calendar that I could 
that we could tell which is which is which. Does that make sense? Can you hear me? Right. Good, okay. good question, Lorraine. Okay. Um, it makes perfect sense. So my, yes, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Am I muted? I heard you perfectly. Okay. So my sacred circle is on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Yes. I think and, the calendar um, that's just said. That's a great clarification. Yeah, because the calendar on the thing just said sacred circle, didn't say my sacred circle. So I just thought when ours pops up, if ours pops up on the calendar, just to be able to different. So just as long as it's not Wednesday, it's ours, probably. All right, let's see if my signal gets a bit stronger. I realized I um I didn't I I didn't have my Wi Fi on and um I'm happy <laughs> can you hear me now? Mhm. Yes, can you hear me? Okay, great. Yeah. I hear you perfectly. So okay, uh Yep. Yeah, I've been having some computer challenges, still working them out. It's been a long Okay. I'm back. <laughs> My internet dropped out. Sorry about that. Happens. <sighs> Lorraine, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay, great. So uh, one of the things that we're going to do is once the groups get started, the facilitators are going to name their groups. So each group will be listed on the calendar with its name. So you'll know the name of your group. Great. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And let's see. We've got somebody else here. It says Anonymous calling in on the web call, raising their hand. Hey there. Did you have a question or comment? Okay. I cannot make out if you're speaking or not. And I'm going to go to the next person. Laura, I see you raising your hand there. So um, if you uh, – let me just see if you have a question about Sacred Circles. Hey, Laurel, did you have a question about Sacred Circles? No. Okay, nope, I'll come was... back to you then. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I just want to get my housekeeping done. And uh, it's interesting. Today uh, I've had some tech challenges and um, – they seem to be continuing, so there you go. I often say that, uh, hey, if, if my challenges are tech challenges, that's, um, I have no complaints whatsoever. So <laughs> when I do have the tech challenges, I really just give thanks and I'm grateful because, uh, you know, let this be the biggest challenge that I have. And so let's see. Sacred Circles not recorded because of privacy, and they're one hour long. And uh, the facilitators have a responsibility to make sure that they stick to their one-hour schedule. All right. Um, let's see. One, the, another thing I'd like to just say as a bit of housekeeping is that um, – 
we've got uh, someone in uh, Masterful Living, Marie uh, Mondeal, I think is how she might pronounce her name, is she's in the hospital today having a procedure. So we're just blessing her and knowing that right where she is, the wholeness of God is fully and completely and that she is attended to by the angels, that every single person who attends to her is a blessing and she's blessing them right back, that it's a cycle and a circle of blessings all around Marie. God bless you, Marie. So we're holding her in prayer. She's uh, not in the Facebook group, so I wanted to make that prayer request for her because she's not able to make it herself in the Facebook group. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So we are, I think that's all my housekeeping. Okay, great. Uh, I would like to jump into uh, the questions and then into the uh, effective practice. So I am going to go come right back to you, Laurel, and uh, so I'm going to unmute you, and then I'll go to the questions written in. Hey, Laurel. Well, hey, Jennifer. Well, maybe <laughs> I should listen to effective practice, <laughs> listen to you talk, and then see what happens after that. Maybe my answers are within there, within what you're going to talk about. All right. Well, but but why put out your? I'll make sure that they are. <laughs> okay. I um, I'm just, I'm having a, what I guess I would call it like a rebound effect. Um, uh-huh. All this, not all of a sudden, but I I know I'd spoken to you. I think it was in Sacred Circle last week about going to mediation about the puppy barking and you were so uh-huh. wonderful with that and I I went and I I think I did uh, I think I did well in staying mm-hmm. o- open and keeping my heart open and having compassion for them um as I was leaving those I I was uh, kind of rear-ended by somebody who just drove away and I realized that I I my anxiety level was really high and it has remained that way um over the weekend um even to the point where I was doing I forget how we what that exercise but you know my my deepest soul's desire I forget exactly what it's called um I I was just letting the you know the, my deepest truth come up around that and I thought that would be a really soothing thing to do for myself. And mm-hmm. instead, what came up was uh, my deepest soul desire was to live a joyous life. Mm-hmm. And then my anxiety went off the charts. Um, and I'm just I'm doing what I can um, to self-soothe, to turn it over. Um, it just feels like it's just alive in my body right now. And uh, I'm just trying to make it, you know, kind of make it through. And I wondered if you had suggestions. Or I'm in tune. (laughs) We're all in tune with each other and with what's going on, let's say, energetically. 
And uh, so first of all, I'm glad that you feel like you had a positive experience in the mediation. I know that that uh, prior to us talking in Sacred Circle, you were um, very concerned about that. And so kudos to you that you did the inner work and that you saw the results. And then the car accident. So this is right in tune with one of the first things I wanted to say about effective spiritual practice because and you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to just mute you out right now and then and I'm going to lower your hand and you feel free to come back and ask me um, another question uh, because I'm going to talk uh, and include what you're talking about but if you have any follow-up questions whatsoever please Laurel raise your hand um, so, I'd like to begin with the idea of motivation and inspiration, these two uh, things, and to define these terms for our use for the rest of the year. So, when we're inspired, you can see the word as we use it in English because we have people uh, who, for whom English is not their first language. Um, inspired, in spirit. So, when the inner spirit is moving us and we feel that inspired energy, inspired to create something, inspired to be loving, inspired to take loving action, when we feel that inspiration, there's a certain energetic to it that many times can feel delicious and delightful. I feel inspired a lot of the time, and uh, I find my work, uh, as certainly when I'm teaching, sharing, writing, speaking, it feels so creative for me because I feel like many times... I don't know exactly what I'm going to say. I know what the topics are and the themes are, but Spirit's going to say whatever is the highest and best for me to say in that moment. And I've learned to trust that. And yes, my personality can uh, become involved or Spirit is expressing in, in using my personality. All these things come into play. So, when we're moving from inspiration, we're moving from a divine idea. And it, for, for the ego, inspiration is not to be trusted. Uh, for the ego, inspiration is scary. It could be, uh, a big accident waiting to happen. It, the, it could feel very treacherous to the ego. But to our true identity, Living from inspiration is deeply healing and nourishing. So one of the things that I am supporting you in doing this year, and when I say you, I mean everyone, is being able to recognize inspiration, being able to call forth inspiration, to feel worthy of inspiration, and to trust inspiration, and then to have faith in inspiration so that we can live an inspired life and when 
I take action from inspiration. I don't have any regrets. I don't have any regrets. And that's a wonderful way to live. I don't feel guilty. I don't have regrets. Everything goes well. And it doesn't mean that there won't still be challenges because we're learning and growing. And we learn and grow through challenges and through contrast. And these are things that I'll be talking a lot about this year. And now what is motivation? The ego works from motivation rather than inspiration. And that doesn't mean that it's entirely bad or wrong, not at all. So, for instance, uh, I, I like to use the example that we don't get out of bed without feeling motivated or inspired, right? So, you may not feel inspired to get out of bed and get dressed and do things in the world. You might not feel inspired, but you might feel motivated. You might feel motivated from pain pushing you. You might feel motivated by money. You might be motivated by the opportunity to connect with other people. Uh, You might be motivated by the delicious bagels at the bagel store that you're going to go to on the way to work. So we have different motivations. And uh, we know when the motivation is um, is pain. And avoiding shame and 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 we know when we feel inspired and our heart is leading us pulling us guiding us and we can learn to know these uh, differences and the subtleties that can sometimes be there with more and more clarity and the more we take out the trash of our opinions and judgments the more clarity we'll have the more we'll be free to connect with inspiration, and to be aware that that's our impetus, that that is the thing that is driving us. So we're we're making this shift, and it's a beautiful thing, and it is very much the undoing of the identification with the ego. So... A Course in Miracles tells us that the only problem we have in this world is we think that we're separate from God or that we're not perfect, that we're not already whole, complete, perfect. Uh, and another way that A Course in Miracles says that we have this one problem is that the problem in its essence, what separation actually is, since separation is not a real thing. It's a belief that's not true. What separation actually is, is it's a false identification or a misidentification with a delusion and illusion of being the ego, being the separate self. So we are making this shift from being identified with a false self to remembering who we really are, the perfect self, the true self, and seeing that, oh, that's who our brothers and sisters are. So that's the journey that we're all making. Uh, and it's the journey of enlightenment, it's the journey of awakening, journey of ascension, all, all same thing, really, awakening, enlightenment, ascension. So all throughout the year, you will hear me talking about awakening, 
and uh, I tend to use awakening more than enlightenment or ascension, but they really all mean the same thing. And so let me define that term as well. So awakening, ascension, enlightenment means that our mind opens to the point where we can see beyond time and space to the actual causation of our experiences, our situations, our circumstances, our feelings, and our thoughts. We can see the the root causes of them and how it could possibly be. So we can see how it could possibly be that this situation, this circumstance, this experience, this thought, this belief, and our experience of all these different things would be for our good and that there is a single divine will which is God's will which is our will is operating in through and around everything and that in this world in our human experience we have what is called free will and our free will is we can operate from a belief that we're not worthy or that others are not worthy, that we're separate, and we will have experiences according to our beliefs. Jesus said, it is done unto you as you believe. We'll have experiences according to our beliefs. We'll have thoughts according to our beliefs, and they will all help us Ultimately, to remember that our true identity is not false, it's real, it's perfect, and it's already as holy and as whole as can be. So this is the journey that we're on, is dropping the false identification. And when we join together and do this work together with um, even a little bit, a tiny smidgen of willingness It's amazing how much healing we can have in just one year. Even with just a little bit of willingness, joining together and practicing. It's it's phenomenal, actually. It's beyond anything I ever imagined was possible. And I'm so grateful to participate myself each year in this path of awakening together. Now, one of the things that we experience in this world is what someone uh, somewhere, I have no idea who, called uh, mirroring. Okay, and people ask me a lot of questions about this. What is the mirror effect or what does it mean when someone's mirroring me? What does that mean? So from a spiritual perspective, which is really the only perspective I know how to talk about it, it's this. So when we have an experience in the world where, and I I wrote about this, I just wrote a three-part blog series. You may have read my daily blog for the last few days. I was talking about it in there. It's really projection, what A Course in Miracles calls Perception and projection, that's the mirroring. So, for instance, if I see someone in my world who doesn't like me or doesn't like something about me and it 
bothers me, then what they're doing is they're mirroring back to me something I don't like about myself or I feel uncomfortable with about myself or some belief about myself that's not true. And they're mirroring it to me, so they're representing it to me. They're representing it to me in a symbolic way because what I see is symbolic in the what I see in the world is symbolic. They're letting me know that I have this belief that's false that can be healed. They may have no idea that's what they're doing, but I can learn to recognize when I see something in the world that bothers me, it's a reflection mirroring back to me something that's probably hidden or disowned that's operating in my mind that's coming up for my addressing it and healing it back to the root cause. Now, what's important here, and I'll say this again and again and again, what's important here is that, as A Course in Miracles says, all we have to do is invoke the Holy Spirit to do the healing. Right? One of the classic things that I quote is at the very end of Chapter 5 on page 90 in my text, it says that, If I am not at peace, it's because I decided wrongly. I'm the one who decided. And because I am the one who made that decision to believe that thought, to think that thought, to energize that thought, because I'm the one who decided, I can make a new decision. I can choose again. And this time, I can make a loving choice. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make the loving choice of calling upon the Holy Spirit, the higher self, the I am presence, the guardian angel, the love of God, whatever you'd like to call it, the higher power. I'm going to call upon that higher Holy Spirit self, and I am going to say, take this thought, this belief, Whatever it is, even if I did something that now I regret, take the whole thing, take it all, and heal it back to its root cause. Dissolve all the consequences of my wrong decision. And and what it says in the Course is, The Holy Spirit will dissolve all the consequences of my wrong decision if I allow it. And I do allow it because I'm interested in my freedom, in my peace, in my harmony. And having peace and freedom and harmony for all beings of this world. So one of the simple, simple, most effective practices I've ever come across was something I was guided to before I found the course or before I I had heard of the course, but before I decided to actually study it. And that was, I got it from my higher self, just said, just give it away. Don't think you have to heal it, Jennifer. 
You don't have to heal it. And as it says in A Course in Miracles, it's complete hubris to think that you can heal it. First of all, we don't really know how. How do we heal things in all directions of time and space? I don't know. But I know it has something to do with my thought. Let me just say that that's where I I started from. That's the best I can do is it's got something to do with my thoughts and my beliefs. But how it actually unwinds all the consequences in all directions of time and space, you know, I could probably have a, a brain aneurysm trying to figure it out, right? But we don't have to figure it out. And we don't have to understand it in order to have the healing. And I have found that this is the most beneficial thing. Uh, on a certain level, I think if, 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 if only, if you took only this from this year and you practiced it day in and day out, you, you would have such a life transformation. It literally would, if you could just feel it and know it and understand it in this moment right now, it would blow your mind how much healing you can have so quickly if you just practice this every day, that when you're upset, when you're bothered by something, you're not at peace and you recognize it, you go, oh, okay, I'm feeling irritated, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling hurt, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling jealous, I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling guilty. Whatever it is that you might be feeling, great regret or resentment, doesn't matter what kind of upset it is. Just in that moment, take a breath and say, there's a solution. And I can have peace. All I have to do is choose it. And I do choose it. I choose it right now. So I'm saying to my higher self, Take this thought, take this belief, whatever it is, wherever it came from, known or unknown, felt or not felt, recognized, unrecognized. Take it all. Heal it back to the root cause so I never experience it again. And do the same for anyone else who has this thought. Because all minds are joined. My willingness is the willingness for the entire human race because we're one. I'm choosing healing today. I'm choosing world peace today by choosing peace for my own mind. And when we mean it, we can have instantaneous miraculous healing. Now, what is miraculous healing? It's the release of the upset. It's the release of the thought. It's the release of the belief. And honest to God, you'll be amazed at how things can really, truly be healed back to the root cause when we are willing. So what that that A Course in Miracles tells us is all that's required is your willingness. There is nothing more for you to do. Indeed, there's nothing more that you can do. It's hubris. It's ego to think that you should be able to do more or that you could do more. It's really just being willing to give up our attachment to thinking that we have a problem or that we can solve our problem. Because our problem is only the belief in separation. Separation isn't real. 
We don't have to heal our mind. We just have to be willing to have the healing done. And the big challenge for us that we come up against is how much we resist and are reluctant. So, for instance, every single one of us is going to be confronted by that mirror, and we're going to see someone showing up in our life that we strongly dislike, strongly judge, are strongly irritated or annoyed or frustrated by, someone we strongly think should do something different than what they're doing, that they should change. And it bothers us. And we'll do this practice, because I I know a lot about this. We do the practice, we say, okay, Holy Spirit, I must have chosen wrongly because I'm not at peace. I'm interested in choosing peace now. So I'm giving all the heavy lifting to you. Take this thought out of my mind so I never think it again. I don't want to think these judgmental thoughts about my brother, my sister, myself. I'm just not interested in thinking these unkind thoughts anymore. I'm done with it. I'm tired of feeling unworthy. I'm I'm not interested in thinking thoughts of my unworthiness anymore. Just not interested. Heal them back to the root cause. So I never experience them again and let everyone else have the healing as well. And then, and this is how I learned this, I, I, I remember laying on my floor, my living room, with tears running into my ears because I was judging my boyfriend so much and I couldn't stop. Please take these thoughts out of my mind. I just want to love him. I just want to love him. And and I feel such a healing come over me and peace. I'm like, oh, good. Phew. And then I would get up and I literally wouldn't take even one step before the thought would come back into my mind. He should do this. He shouldn't do that. And as I'm taking that step, I'm like, really? That thought comes back so fast? Oh, my gosh. But you see, then, right then is my opportunity to say, I'm not picking that thought up again. Just like in the the share that I gave last week about my experience with Venerable, why she's such a wonderful teacher for me. And by the way, we have a the bonus class with her tomorrow. And I I had that experience so many times. I just keep picking the thought up and picking the thought up. And I realized through my personal experience that the thing that was missing when I kept having the thought again and again was I really wasn't truly sincere and for me what it really meant was I wasn't more interested in not thinking the thought than I was in thinking the thought so if you think of if you're 51% interested in thinking the thought you're more interested in thinking the thought than letting it go even if it's causing you pain We've all been there. We've all done that. We all know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I just want to love my neighbor. This would like to forgive my neighbor. I would just like to be grateful for my neighbor. And then you see your neighbor, 
and they're doing something you don't like, and you're like, son of a gun, there they go doing that thing again. What the hell's the matter with them, right? In that moment, where is our desire to love our neighbor? It's 49% or less. And so it's really getting to that 51%, where 51% of the time, which is most of the time, I'm just interested in being loving and peaceful and harmonious and being receptive to divine insight, wisdom, and guidance, and living a life of joy. And so we just keep increasing, increasing, because seriously, once you get to that 51%, it just, it's so much easier from there. It's so much easier from there. So this is my goal for everybody in this year is to get to the 51% or more. So that, that we're most of the time. Because once it's most of the time, boy, it just, I can't tell you how energetically it is so different. So, so different. And so everything that we're experiencing that bothers us is some opportunity for us to have a healing. So when we're connected with someone in our life that seems to be bothering us, they are reflecting to us something that's hidden in our mind that we can address, that we can have a healing. And the great thing about this particular practice that to me is so wonderful is we don't have to actually know what it is in order to let it go because the higher Holy Spirit self knows. And we are the higher Holy Spirit self. So you see, we're, we're rising above the, so quickly, because if you think back a couple of hundred years before Freud, before Carl Jung, where uh, we had um, intuitives and prophets and different people like that who could, you know, tarot cards and different things like that, all these things that could help us to try and get some kind of insight, some kind of clarity. And then uh, we had psychiatrists, psychology, helping us to find more clarity and more clarity. And these are all have, have their place, and they have helped us get to where we are. And now we can say, if there's something that I need to understand and know about this, Holy Spirit, make it plain. Show me what it is. And if I can let it go without any further investigation, I'm so grateful to just do that. So I'm going to give it to you. If there's something you need to show me, I need to look at it where I can choose again, then I'm in. Show it to me. And if you can take it out of my mind forever and I never have to look at it again, thank you so very much. And then the big challenge for us is to trust that this can actually work. And here's the thing. Very few people, I think, will really just take it on faith. That's why I say, let's prove God together. Let's prove that it works together. So this is why it's so valuable to write 
as much as you can of these things down. And the ego will say, no, you don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. And basically the ego is saying, you don't have time to heal your mind. It's far more effective to send emails, to have conversations, to just take a break and watch some television and zone out or clean the house or all the many things that the ego will tell us to do instead of our spiritual healing work. And I I, I mean, I've just, I've worked with this for so many years and I've felt so resistant and so reluctant for years. So I feel like I'm an expert on resistance and reluctance and avoidance and procrastination. And so I also have come to see the value of taking simple steps and cultivating the willingness and asking for divine support from the higher Holy Spirit self, from the guides and the angels, in simply being willing. I am willing to be willing. Angels help me now. So now the other thing that we're going to see, and I see you raising your hand there, Scott. So uh, let me just go a little bit further. Checking the time here. And that is that there are times, and it happens to me a lot, when somebody is upset, and they might even be upset with me or some choice I made, something I said or something I did. And so there are times when people are upset with me or they're upset and they're near me, around me, and uh, even attacking me, judging me, criticizing me, complaining about me, and it doesn't bother me at all. And it doesn't mean that I'm impervious. It doesn't mean that I don't care, not at all. What it means is that there's no part of me that identifies with it. So I'll give you an example. It's kind of an exaggerated example, but it helps to make the point. So as you may know, if you've been following my daily blog and things like that, uh, I have over the last bunch of years since I started writing a daily blog, well, gosh, it's been 10 years now that I've been doing the daily prayer. Ten years! Wow! Gosh, that's a fast ten years. Anyway, um, I hadn't really thought about it before, but yeah, it's been ten years of uh, daily prayers. I miss a day here and there, but mostly I've been doing it. And um, so I realized that it's nice to share pictures, and especially with the camera and my phone, it's nice to share pictures for my life. People really seem to appreciate it, which I can understand. And I appreciate being able to share. And um, so there's a lot of pictures of me. You know, and some days I look, uh, we could say, prettier than other days. Some days, uh, you know, I I have a little makeup on. Some days I don't. And uh, some of the, the pictures that I even use as headshots, I have no makeup on. And then other ones I have uh, a, a a bunch of makeup on. So it's all these different kinds of pictures of me and different outfits and different places and some of them are more flattering than others, right? And let's say someone came to me and said, Jennifer, you know, I appreciate that you share the writing and the prayers and everything, but really I would prefer if you didn't publish pictures of yourself because I find you incredibly unattractive. 
and I, I really find you're actually repulsive to look at. Uh, so I wonder if you could stop doing that because it's offensive to me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Could you just stop using any pictures of you? If someone said that to me, I would think, wow, that's pretty interesting. I wonder what's going on with them. That's kind of a a bizarre request. I, I wonder what's really going on in their mind and what what is bringing that judgment, that intensity. That's a really unique cry for love in some way. Uh, they are saying that they've got an issue in their mind. Their mind has got a splinter in it. And that splinter looks like my picture, and they're asking me for help with it. And so can I help them with it? And I don't know, have any idea how I would proceed from there because it's kind of a crazy thing. Uh, but what I wouldn't think is, oh, my gosh, maybe I should stop sharing pictures of myself. Oh, boy, maybe I'm less attractive than I thought because, look, I look at myself every day. You know, I look at myself naked in the mirror, front and back, sideways, uh, on a regular basis. I see myself every day with makeup, without makeup, with uh, my hair a mess, my hair looks nice. I see myself in clothes that are flattering and some that aren't so flattering. So I see myself all different ways. And I, yeah, there are times when I think, meh, not as attractive. And other times I think, Oh, looking pretty good. So, but the thing is, is if someone else said to me, you know, you're really unattractive, Jennifer, I wouldn't, like, my gut wouldn't tighten, my heart wouldn't start pumping, because I know that I feel good about myself. I've weighed a lot less than I weigh now, and I, I feel better about myself now than when I've weighed less. So I know how I feel about myself. And I'm still working every day with clearing my mind, finding self-judgments, and clearing them away every single day. But So that's what I mean when someone can show you something, and if it's your stuff, it's probably going to bother you. If it's not your stuff, it's a cry for love, and you'll know it because it doesn't bother you. Your mind will go to, how can I be helpful to my brother and my sister who's struggling with this thought, this belief, this idea? So that's the mirroring uh, effect that we see all the time in the world. And this is how to know when the difference is it's a cry for love or it's something being reflected back to you. And then, very importantly, every single time that you notice that irritation, that frustration, to the best of your ability, if you can take your mind and go right to, I'm grateful my stuff is being triggered because that means I can give it to the Holy Spirit for healing. I don't have to delay. I don't have to wait. I don't need anybody's help with it. I can just right now invoke the Holy Spirit and say, I made a wrong decision. I'm giving all the consequences to you for healing. I am interested in my healing. I am interested in 
A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm going for it. Please help me now. I'm willing to change my mind. I'm willing to choose again. And I'm beginning right now by taking loving action and giving this to you for healing. That is, I think, one of the all-time most effective spiritual practices I know. And working with so many people in Masterful Living over the years, I've heard it told to me time and time and time and time again that this is something that people get, they understand it, they apply it, they transform their life, they prove God that they can eliminate the most entrenched false beliefs. Because it's not about how entrenched it is, it's only about do you have some actual willingness to give it up and to let go of it. Now, one of the things that makes it challenging is if our ego identification is with someone who's bad, that we think we're bad, we think we're wrong, we think we're not good enough, or we think we're superior, or any of those kinds of thoughts, and that's our identification, it may be challenging for us to really let it go. So I have a lot more I can say about that. But we've got um, Scott raising his hand, waiting so patiently here. So, Scott, I'm going to unmute you right now. Hey there. Hello. Hey. Um, I've been doing, uh, when you, you were referring about mirroring, I've, I've been doing the work of uh, Byron Katie for many years of examining the thoughts and projections and so I I think this will help me greatly because sometimes I I do the work over and over again on a similar issue, and then it it just keeps popping up again even though I've examined it and and thought that I have done the work. So I think this will help me greatly in that I will be able to um, truly let it go. Yeah, I think Byron Katie's work is excellent. I haven't looked very closely at it, a little bit here and there, but everything I've seen I think is excellent. And it is this this thing about really being willing to give it to the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. which she doesn't quite say that, um, but I think her work is good. And um, uh, it's it's that, that when it keeps coming back, it just means that we have a strong attachment to that belief and that opinion, and we don't have to even have crystal clarity about what the attachment is or where it came from, how it got there, or even what the belief or opinion is. We can just say, whatever it is, I'm done with it. And if we really mean it, then it's amazing how quickly it can go away. Now, Scott, in your experience, can you see how there was a judgment or an opinion or a belief that you really have felt attached to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it, it, is it possible, can you see in any way how you you became identified with the person who has that uh, like, I am the one who has this opinion. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because I remember I had an experience where uh, when I was beginning to do this work and I had this thought this as I was in the contemplation meditation time, I had this thought that came in, who will I be without my judgments and opinions? Who will I be? The thought really for me in that moment was, will I cease to exist without my judgments and opinions? Who will I be? What will my identity be? And my higher self put the question in front of me, who will you be without your opinions and judgments? Who will you be? And I I could only answer, well, I guess I'll just be pure spirit. And then it came back to me, would that be okay with you to just be pure spirit? And I said, yes, I think I would like that very much. So it was a turning point for me, Scott, because I realized I really think that who I am is this judger. For me, my my struggle has been um, to let go of my um, victim identity, and it seems to be my uh, or a default position, um, especially when and that that's why doing the work of Byron Katie has been the the thing that has been helped me to get out of that. Um, but I'm taking this course to help me. Um, truly get out of that and see who would I be without seeing myself as a victim. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Did you do the work of the New Year's reboot and how um, how you'd like to feel at the end of the year and the different areas of your life? No, I have not. Yeah, you know, that's, I think that will really support you in emotionally and energetically connecting to your strength so that you you have a new view of how you'd like to live and be uh, uh, without the victim because you know uh, many of us have we all have experiences of the victim we all have uh, areas in our life where we have felt the victim or we like to play the victim, I certainly can relate to that. And some people are more identified with victim in more areas of their life than others. Uh, we've all got our own unique um, uh, costumes, identities, personalities that are playing out different things. It's this wonderful variety. And so in it's it's a big shift for the ego to if it's so identified with being the victim to not being the victim anymore could feel like death to the ego it could be so threatening that it would be like death and for me you can see that it it was from my ego my ego was saying will i still exist who will I be? How will I know myself? How will I recognize myself if I'm not the judger, the one who has all these opinions? Um, and so your ego might say, wait a minute, if I'm empowered 
and I'm living a life that I love, who will I be? Like, how, how could I possibly really exist in that world? And so it could be very threatening to the ego to give up. Can you, can you recognize, Scott, any benefits that the ego, let's say, perceives to being a victim? Any benefits? Like a, a payoff? A payoff, yes. Sympathy. Yeah. Um, playing small. Um, yeah, I was going to say, does it keep you from doing things so you don't have to take risks? Or getting, um, doing something comfortable even though it's not good. It's That's the only, those are the only things I could think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some, and can, I can certainly feel how those would be um, very strong attachments for the ego. Very, very strong. And so this is a major shift in identification from victim to empowered and the good news is Scott A you don't have to figure out how to make it happen you allow it our job is not to figure out how our job is to allow and so every day you will you will begin to become more aware of the temptation to play the victim or to call upon the Holy Spirit to help you shift the identification and to make different choices and to allow the healing to occur. The more willing you are to allow the healing, that willingness being the key, the more quickly and miraculously the healing will take place. And this is the learning through joy rather than pain. So we've all learned how painful it is to feel like the victim. And let's all learn the joy of choosing from feeling empowered. And so you're going back to the New Year's Reboot class and doing that work will... um, will greatly support you. And you know what? It's going to take you a couple of hours. But if you're not worth a few hours of your time, attention, and energy, then it's not something you really desire. But I get that the ego will say, don't do it, don't do it. There's other things. It'll never work. Why do it? It's never going to work anyway. You know, she has no idea about the level of, uh, you know, what, whatever. The ego will just find so many reasons. And then and the next thing you know, people, it's it's things like, 
oh, you know, I've got these things going on, so I'm going to have to drop out of class because I don't have enough time. It's too time-consuming. But that that work in the first, that New Year's reboot, that's the biggest load of work that is, I'm going to give anyone during the whole year. It's just investing in that. And that's all you do all year. And the rest of the year, you just listen and uh, you, you never write another thing down. I'm telling you, your your year will change. Your life will change. Uh, did did I address everything you wanted to bring up, Scott? Yes, it, right now. Yes, that's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's so good to have folks sharing. All right. I am going to go to some of the – we've got some written in uh, questions here. Uh, Just reading some things here. Uh, Angela says, hi, Jennifer, when you say back to the root cause, is that the ego? Is it talked about in the course? Blessings. So I'm glad you're asking this, Angela. When I say healing it back to the root cause, there may be, let's say, we could use Scott's feeling like a victim. There may be a root cause that in some previous incarnation, maybe this life, but I would I would say probably not, in some incarnation, there was some choice that he made, some decision he made that he was a victim. And because of whatever he was experiencing, he took that point of view. And now, in this incarnation, he's interested in releasing it because there's nobody who comes to massive living that isn't really on the fast track of healing. People just do not come into my orbit who are not interested in transformation. They might decide to reject the transformation or maybe there's some other thing that's going to work better for them. But people just do not come into my orbit who are not interested in transformation. So we don't know what the root cause of Scott's uh, feeling like a victim issue comes from, but we don't need to know. So that's why I say just heal it back to the root cause, whatever it was. But that root cause is basically always going to be some decision that we made. And uh, and the Course says that even in, in that section on uh, at the end of chapter 5, I must have decided wrongly because I'm not at peace. But I'm the one who made the decision. What was the decision? I don't know. Maybe I know, but a lot of times I won't know because maybe the decision was not made in this lifetime. So the decision to believe something, to make the interpretation, to make the meaning of something, that that's always going to be the root causes some decision we made that's a misperception that's a false belief? Great question, Angela. 
All right. And Sonia wrote in, Dear Jennifer, if it is appropriate to ask for prayer help when it's class, I would be so grateful. I am struggling with anger and judgment towards one of my sisters due to her unjust ways, although she is the one demanding justice. I feel like a hypocrite when I can't find my full commitment and willingness to see what it is in my mind that she is mirroring and hand it over to the Holy Spirit. I will not be listening live as it is the middle of the night. She's in Sweden. But I am grateful for any help or insight you might have. Thank you ever so much. Bless you infinitely, Sonia. So, Sonia, um, we're, again, we're right on track uh, with uh, your question and what I'm sharing this evening. And so, yes, your sister is a mirror to you, and you already recognize that. So I think what I have shared already will help you a great deal. One thing I would like to add is, and this can work for anyone who is having a challenge, is to look at the divine experiment, uh, divine experiment. And uh, I know many have already started to do their divine experiments. It's there in your journals, and uh, it is uh, it's one of the best tools we have, and uh, I encourage you to do many divine experiments this year, and um, it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, because of time, I'm not going to go into it right now, but it is part of our effective spiritual practices and um, but you don't have to wait you can start right away by simply reading it there in your the masterful living journal the divine experiment divine experiment I'm just going to see here if I feel anything else for you Sonia when you say you feel like a hypocrite, one of the main things I think that can really help you with your anger and your judgment is this. So when we're judging, and I, I wrote about this some in the three-part blog I just did. When we're judging, what we're doing is we are literally essentially saying, God's wrong. God doesn't really exist. I, I'm in charge now. I'm the one who's going to decide who's good and who's bad, who's right and who's wrong, uh, because I'm the one who knows. And clearly, if God was a good God and God was doing what God was supposed to do, then I wouldn't have these problems. I wouldn't have to deal with this person or this situation. And God is not dealing with it, so I'm going to deal with it. I know what's best. I am the God of my world. And then what happens is when we start judging, this is the the sort of unconscious thought pattern is all this, I am the God of my world. I am the one who decides. Uh, and then 
that's when our insecurity comes because we know that we often misperceive situations and we think we know what things are for when we do not know what they're for. We think we know what will make us happy when we do not know what will make us happy. We think we know what's best for us when we do not know what's best for us. And the list goes on and on and on. So when they make a decision that someone is bad or wrong or they're better or they're worse, we know that there's a high likelihood that we could be wrong. And so now we're trying to defend our choices, our beliefs, and it's just a crazy road we're heading down. So essentially, as soon as we start judging, we immediately start to feel afraid and insecure and guilty, whether we recognize it or not. So what happens all the time is, People judge, like people will judge on television, okay? So here in the United States, we have the Oscars coming up, the Academy Awards. And uh, I used to sit and watch the Oscars and think, oh, look at that silly outfit. That's crazy. That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Or look at this one. That dress is outrageous. I can't believe that cleavage or that, you know, she's showing so much or um, oh, I can't believe the way they're acting. And I would judge and judge and judge. And then, unbeknownst to me what the root cause is, I'm starting to feel afraid. I'm I'm starting to feel worried. Did I remember to do that thing at work? Oh, my gosh, did I leave that undone? Did I forget to tell my boss about this or about that? So the fear begins. The insecurity begins. And... We don't realize that I'm afraid about my boss is related to, I think she looks stupid in that dress. But you see, it does. Because when we are judging, we're taking ourselves out of the flow of love, and that's why we feel afraid. The ego will look for some reason, some subterfuge, some excuse for us to feel afraid, but we're actually afraid because we're choosing the only thing that's frightening, which is separation. Every single judgment that we make is a choice for separation, and it creates stress in our mind like a splinter in the mind. And so recognizing that the only thing that's hurting you are your judgments on you, will help you to be less attached to your judgments. But if you can see that you can be a beneficial presence in your own life and your sister's life, that will really support you in being more willing to drop the judgments and be choosing the loving choices. At least that's been my experience. And... We've got someone writing here. They didn't fill in their name, so I don't know. It says, hello, Jennifer. I noticed when I wasn't interested in dating at all for the past six months, I was being approached almost every two weeks by people in the most random situations asking me out. And I had no idea why that was happening, as I felt like I wasn't doing anything to ask for this. Now that I'm interested in dating, I feel like I'm not meeting anyone. 
or if I do meet someone I am interested in, they are not interested in me at all. I know when I wasn't interested in dating, I felt complete and didn't want anything from anyone, and that's probably what attracted people to me. But how can I now have that same attitude when I don't always feel complete and want the people I like to like me back? It felt so much nicer when I really didn't care or want to date, but I can't really fake that anymore as I do want to date now. Thanks for your help. So, Sonia, uh, it's a great question, and I think you've already figured it out. It's if you're coming from a place of needing and wanting and craving, that probably the people that you would be most interested in will not be interested in you because you probably are going to be more interested in someone who loves themselves and feels good about themselves and is not needing and wanting and craving because like attracts like. So also people who are needing and wanting and craving will attract people who are manipulative and controlling because people who are needing and wanting and craving will agree to being controlled and manipulated in exchange for being needed and wanted and desired. So it's all about self-love. It's all about loving yourself. And so when you weren't interested in dating, perhaps you were feeling more full and more content. And so... It's really, here's the simple answer. When you're feeling the needing, the wanting, and the craving, give it to the Holy Spirit for healing. It's That's a great time to say, oh, I must have made a wrong decision because I'm not at peace. I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm not interested in the wanting, needing, craving anymore. I'm interested in the having. I'm interested in being in a holy relationship. I'm interested in being in a loving, beautiful, connected relationship. I'm interested in spiritual, romantic, sexual, sensual intimacy that's deeply fulfilling and nourishing and healing. That's what I'm interested in. The needing, the wanting, and the craving, I am not interested in that anymore. Holy Spirit. Heal my mind. Take the craving out of my mind. Take the attachments out of my mind. I don't need them anymore. I've learned all I can from them. I'm ready to let them go. And I'm ready now to be fully engaged in a holy relationship. Make it so now. And share the benefits with everyone because I'm one with them. That's how we heal at the level of the mind and when we're willing it's amazing how it works does require some trust some willingness but that's all that it requires pretty cool all right i think those are all the questions and we are at time here uh oh no wait uh there's one more here um uh 
Lynn is in year two. She's asking, can she be a part of the sacred circle? Yes, you can as a co-facilitator. And Caroline is asking, uh, I'm trying to find my email for the sacred circle. If someone could let me know the days. Uh, it's seven days a week. There are seven days that you can choose from, and you give your first, second, and third choice. Here's what I'm going to do. For those of you who have not responded to my email uh, with the survey in it, or you can't see it in Facebook, I will send another email right after class, and please answer that survey. If you've already answered that survey, you don't need to bother. Um, yep, I think so I will do that. So, Caroline, you can just look for that, and you don't have to uh, go looking for it anymore. Just uh, I'll send it uh, shortly uh, in the next 15 minutes or so. All right. Let's take that breath. Uh, I'll, I'll send it as soon as I can get someone on my staff to send it. I'll, I better, I better uh, qualify it that way. Mm. All right. So there we go. We're, we're really introducing the effective spiritual practice, laying the foundation for our year. There's so much more to come. And... Oh, I know. I'd just like to mention a couple of things. Uh, I do have the Masterful Living Retreat that's open to anyone uh, in Masterful Living or not. Uh, it's uh, just about a month from now. It's March 16th to 19th uh, in Garrison, New York, which is about an hour from New York City. And uh, I'm inviting you to, to come. If you need a payment plan, we'll work out a payment plan for you. And um, and then I'm probably going to do my next uh, – I am going to be doing my next spiritual counseling training intensive, my week-long intensive about spiritual counseling training, which is open to anyone and to everyone uh, in the last week of April. And uh, my – My plan is to do it in the New York area. And I'm also going to be speaking at the Easter weekend Course in Miracles conference in Utah. And if you're interested in joining that, um, those details are on my events page at jenniferhadley.com. And... I believe when you sign up at the the website for that, you need to let them know that you heard about it from me. Um, trying to think. Oh, oh, the other thing I, I'd like you to know is this year we're making great progress in laying the ministerial program out. So it's a teacher training, minister training. Uh, ministers are teachers, and uh, so Masterful Living is the core foundation of that ministerial training. And my goal with the ministerial training, or what I'm feeling inspired and called to do with the um, 
charge I feel spirit is giving me is to make a very comprehensive spiritual program uh, based in Masterful Living so that those who graduate as minister slash teachers, they feel fully qualified to do the work they feel called to do. Because when I was in ministerial school, a lot of people did not feel qualified to do the work they were called to do just because they completed the program. And so I'm really interested in supporting people in following their passion and becoming teachers, becoming speakers, becoming counselors, uh, those spiritual careers to the best of my ability so they feel highly qualified and comfortable following their passion, sharing their gifts and talents, and also expanding the ministry so that there are many teachers teaching classes in this ministry. So I'm, I'm truly interested in finding ways for teachers to have employment through this ministry that I would not be the only one teaching classes and writing curriculums. And so I'm interested in teaching people how to write curriculums, how to teach workshops and, and write workshops and that's what I feel called to do. So I'd like you to know that this is being developed and probably in the not too distant future, I'm going to ask for those who would like to uh, volunteer to participate in the um, fine tuning of this curriculum and, and to participate in helping to create it. So I'm excited about that. Very excited. Spirit is so creative as me. <laughs> Endless creativity. Oh, my gosh. I never get bored. Oh, so let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful for the love of God that is showing up as each one of us. So grateful and so thankful to let go of any idea of lack, attack, limitation, or separation so grateful to let go of any sense of worry, doubt, or fear. So grateful and so thankful to allow ourselves to know and to recognize the beautiful truth that sets us free. We're already holy, and we're already as holy as we can be. This is the truth of our being that we're sharing with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude... We go forward and multiply the consciousness of good. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We allow our healing to be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And I'm going to play a song, as I like to do. And so... The song today is, here it is, here it is, it is, uh, it's a song by the, uh, by Ricky Byers Beckwith from the Agape International Spiritual Center and it's, um, it's a chant called How Can I Serve that Ricky wrote 
And uh, actually, in this recording of it, I was singing in the choir. So I'm one of many voices in this recording. And I I really love this chant. It's a beautiful chant. So we're we're really looking at how can we be of service in the world? How and the greatest way we can be of service is to set our mind free of all worries and doubts. So here you go. How can I serve? <laughs> 